Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. Love that intro music, by the way. Steve Smee here and Rick in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody We're, doing out there? This is podcast 323. This is going to be a Q&A episode, guys. So we have five awesome topics. Let's just jump right into it. What do you think, Rick? So the first topic that came in, best cutting compounds for the 2020 season. So, you know, we're going into beach season, uh, summer. A lot of guys want to look lean. A lot of guys want to get cut up for the summer. So, Rick, I'm going to bring you in on this because you're a big cutter. You love cutting. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your opinion when this question came in? That's a good question. 2020, so we've got to include and talk about some of the new stuff out there. Um, obviously, GW. You know, GW is about as the best new cutting compound out there. I think it's quite close to perfect when it comes to cutting. Gives you incredible endurance. It doesn't make your heart race. It's non-stimulant like a clamuterol is. And it really does burn fat. You know, it really does burn fat. It's, it's a great, great compound. Obviously, problem is getting legitimate GW. It's real easy to get screwed. Uh, there are no home kits for GW like there are for other steroids. So you don't even have a chance of even figuring it out. So you do have to get it from a, from a place that's trusted. Also, uh, obviously, Anavar. Anavar, Winstrol, Primo Bolin, Masteron. These are all still available and very relevant in 2020. So I still use those. Uh, IG, IGF. IGF is a great, it's a great one. Human growth hormone. If you're talking about cutting, melting some fat off, and you have the money to get good human grade stuff, human growth hormone. I've been talking about this, this uh, stack for a little bit now, uh, Steve, I think. I think a great cutting stack, if you can afford it and get good legitimate stuff, a good 2020 cutting stack is obviously Anabar, obviously GW, and then throw either human growth hormone or IGF on top of that or maybe another peptide of your choice. It's a nice little cut, a little cutting stack. Um, so what do you think, Steve? Well, with cutting, I've always viewed, you know, cutting steroids as dry compounds, compounds that don't aromatize. So, um, you know, the compounds, not just that don't aromatize, but don't inflame the body. So I consider trend more of a bulker than a cutter because on trend, you still so much inflammation that you're going to get some, blow on it just from the inflammation if you've ever ran trend you know exactly what i'm talking about you get get some size on you so quickly on it so i don't consider that a cutter but yeah i agree with you you know uh, anavar is a great cutter winstrol is great for vascularity and pumps anavar is great for pumps and, and vascularity as well and then you got masteron which is a cosmetic great cosmetic steroid for hardening the muscles but at the end of the day if you're overweight, if you've got fat on your body and Rick and I, you know, we're showing off each other's abs uh, before the podcast and obviously I'm, I'm leaner than Rick. Um, so Rick was giving me shit, but I'm leaner than him. He's been kind of getting out of shape over during the pandemic. So what's the key? The key is, is diet. You know, at the end of the day, diet, 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 diet is the key. These steroids will dry you out. These steroids will, harden your muscles, but if, if your muscles are covered by fat, then 
what's the point of even running them? So you've got to already be lean. You have to be at least under 10 or 11% to even bother running one of these cutting steroids. Otherwise, you're just going to dry out and then still have, you can't dry away fat on your body. So you got to cut that fat guys. You got to cut that fat. And look, there's a difference between fitness, bodybuilding and normal Joe, like the normal Joe in North America or Western Europe, they're 18% body fat, 20% body fat. And that's fine. That's the average dad bod. But we're not average. We are special. We are special. We're unique. We're the guys that walk into a room and girls look at us or on the beach and chicks look at us or gay guys look at us and they're like, damn, I want to bang that motherfucker. So that's what we want to do. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> I I'm trying to hold it in, man. I've been trying to hold it in ever since you said you were leaner than me because that's just a dream. <laughs> uh, anyway, keep, I, didn't, I didn't mean to slow your roll, Steve. Just keep, keep going. Keep going. I'll wait for my turn. No, but that's, that's my point. It starts with diet. Diet, you got to get your diet down. You got to lean up. So end to slim before meals. It partitions the food. It blocks fat from being stored. Eating in a window. It's great. Eating in a window keeps your insulin levels down throughout the day. So your body won't go into fat storage mode. Those are really good tips. You know, so eating a whole food, natural diet, single ingredient, whole food diet, that helps. That helps you get leaner. So these are things you have to do with the steroids. The steroids are the icing on the AKA. So once you get lean, then you can start throwing these dry compounds at the body. So what do you want to finish up with this topic, Rick? Um, yeah, so I'm running a, a little, just a little dry up, um, kind of little cycle now. Uh, I'm posting pictures on social uh, of my, uh, my progress and what I'm doing. Basically doing 50 migs of Anavar every day, planned out for about four weeks. I'm adding Entuslin, HC Generate, the Hainflame EX, obviously Entugard, T3 PCT. So it's a nice big, big stack of natural over-the-counter stuff that's just getting everything in my body primed up to just burn that fat and put you know put on that muscle mass also my diet i'm playing with time restricted feeding fasting and obviously the 50 megs of oxandrolone are there to make sure i'm not losing muscle mass as i cut down and we're going to try to gain a little bit of muscle mass even as i'm on a caloric deficit so as we were just both showing off, I, I think I'm about, you know, 10, 11% right now, body fat. Steve, you're like 17, I think. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to just get down with this little four-week run down to a quick single digit, like 9%, 8%. Logging everything from my weight, workouts, diet, all that stuff. Hopefully, I could put a nice little package together for everybody and let you guys see what I'm doing. But Anovar, you just, if you, if you have good diet, if you're training, if you have a decent supplement regimen, just need a little bit of, like here, Anovar, to make sure that muscle mass is protected. If you, as, as you're depleting calories, you're, you're going to be burning more, more fat. 
And so that when you lift weights, you lift weights and you, you tear that muscle tissue up, it's got the anovar there to help promote its, its regeneration, its growth. I mean, it's, you, you just need a little bit of a good, nice, strong antigen, 50 megs a day of bar. It's about, it's about right. I'm taking HG Generate ES to make sure that I don't get suppressed with the VAR. I have nice high natural testosterone anyway. So just keep that going. And that's it, you know. And to Slim, obviously. And obviously good, good, good nutrition, proper training. And we'll see where I can get four weeks. Come come follow me. Come come check out what I'm doing. It's RickyVrock.com. That's gonna forward right to my to my social. You could check me out. It's R I C-K-Y-V-R-O-C-K.com. Just come check it out. Yeah, Rick's just jelly. I'm, I'm on like 7 or 8% body fat. Rick's just jelly that I can stay lean like this year round. All right, guys. So the next one is what to do in between cycles to bridge. So this is a really good question. So I'm going to explain a little bit what happens to your in, in uh, reproductive system when you're on steroids and then you do PCT and then you come off. And then Rick, I'm going to bring Rick in and he's going to kind of give you his tips on uh, na some natural supplements that you can take in between cycles. So when you're using anabolic steroids, you're using exogenous steroids, your pituitary glands, they're smart. They're going to know, hey, I'm getting an excess amount of hormones. So your pituitary glands are going to go dormant. Your LAs, your FSH are going to crater down to near zero. Your body's not going to be producing hormones anymore. So your latex cells aren't going to get anything. That's why your latex cells, your nuts, they shrink on cycle for that reason. So that when now you run a PCT, the PCT gives you a soft landing because when you come off steroids, those esters, they kind of tick off. They tick, 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 tick down off out of your system. As they're ticking down, you want to get a soft landing. You want something to be in there. That PCT gives you a soft landing. It kind of pushes your pituitary glands to wake up so that you get a little effect. And then after PCT, your own body has to recover on its own. So bridging is, the, is after your post-cycle therapy. So you have your cycle, you have the post-cycle, then you have the bridge. And then once you're recovered, you can use that bridge to kind of give you that on feeling to keep, keep to hold your muscle gains to prevent fat from rebounding. And then you can go back and run your next cycle once you're fully recovered. So that's the, that's the order. And if you decide, hey, I'm gonna take a break from steroids, then you just take a break from steroids. You can take natural supplements during that time, that's fine. So I wanna bring in Rick, um, because Rick's really, really studied this for years about in-between cycles, how you can hold on to your strength and your muscle in-between cycles. So what's your ideas for bridging between cycles, Rick? I go with the herbals. I've been saying it on the podcast for a while now. Herbals have been working since before there was even a, a supplement industry, before there was even a, such a thing as a supplement industry. Men have been using herbs in their environment to heal themselves, to help enhance them themselves. It has been a thing. Every culture has had that knowledgeable person, man or woman, that understands herbs, understands botanicals, understands extracts. Just recently, we got down to the molecular level and we know what is actually active in these compounds. I think that's the first stop everybody should take is using some of the herbal extracts, stuff that's available, to help promote and help your body optimize and make the most that it can make. So I haven't put myself 
and I'm not going to put myself on permanent TRT yet. I actually cycle off and use and use testosterone boosters. And that's just all I use in between. HCG and ADS, bridge. I just, I stack those two together. I do three bridge and I do four, sometimes only three HCG and ADS. And I feel great on it. Feel great in the gym. Feel nice and motivated. Levito is, is up. Dick is hard every morning. It's hard on demand. I actually know and can tell I'm making progress. It's not like a lot of guys report back to me and they feel like when they're in between cycle, they see no progress. And if they've been off of the steroids for too long, they feel like they, they, they're shrinking, even though they're hitting the gym. See, I don't get that. I feel, I feel good. So definitely use the herbals to, to push to promote what your body can do naturally. Pulse cycle therapy off properly and, and do that. You'd want to know just how to always get your body and yourself into a sustainable level because you never know when you just have to come off of this stuff for whatever reason. Yeah, so just yeah, make, make, don't give up the fight. Don't put yourself on, on just TRT by yourself because of just being irresponsible with your steroid use. There's no need for that. You should be able to walk away from this, keep, keep a good amount of your gains, stay healthy, and never have to touch the stuff again and just live it out. I'm not going to use steroids forever. Obviously, you know, I'm going into, into my 40s. Right around 50s is when I'm probably just going to stop. And I'll have to rely on what my body can make naturally, taking herbs, things like that. See, I'm in, the, I'm in a different situation. If I'd never taken steroids my whole life and I was hidden into 40, 50, now I could really get crazy. But... I've used them for too long now. It's time to get off. And I'm going to have to probably not, not use them anymore around the time that I really, really need them. So I kind of screwed myself in that regard. So when I tell guys to wait, 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 don't use a lot, just wait, give yourself time. So, you know, if, you've, if you haven't ran a bunch of methylated steroids through your liver and you haven't put a ton of synthetic androgens, banging every androgen-dependent cancer cell in your body. And if you hadn't done this for decades, right, going into 40, 50, you can. Now you can do some of that. But, see, I'm on, I'm on the opposite end. So something to keep in mind, guys, the, the more you can push, push and promote yourself naturally, use dieting, good training practices to just look good, be nice and lean, you know? You don't have to be if, – if, if you need to be huge and you have to use Trembolone a couple times a year to look that way, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to think about these decisions. You know, what, are, what is your end goal? So, yeah, in between cycles, and there should be a long time in between cycles, use the herbals. Help you promote your own production, natural production. Good sleeping habits, making sure your body makes a good amount of human growth hormone every night so you sleep well. Good eating so that it's, it's pretty effortless for you to stay lean and you don't have to constantly be cutting and no, you can retain your muscle mass. Just eat clean. Again, training habits, all that good stuff. What do you think, Steve? At the end of the day, you have to stay consistent in the gym and you have to also accept that it's normal to lose some strength and some of your results gains, quote unquote after cycle 
I mean, you have to just accept that because this is a marathon, not a sprint. So you're not going to gain everything that you're ever going to make, um, you know, in one cycle. This isn't a 12-week thing. This is a 12-year thing. And guys have been trading for 10, 20, 30 years, and they still haven't reached their peak yet. So you have to take a long-term approach to this. It's fun to get fast results, but it's not fun when you come off and those fast results go away very quickly. So fast results, just like fast money, right, Rick? Just like fast women. You, you mess around with fast women, you'll end up with STDs and 18 years of child support on a bunch of kids. You, fast money, you'll make, you'll make a lot of money and then you'll go, you'll go broke over and over. Same thing, fast gains, it can ricochet on you really bad. It'll boomerang back on you. So take a long-term approach on this and don't fear losing some gains. Don't fear losing some strain. Yeah, I'm that long-term study myself. So you guys want to follow me around, listen to this podcast, follow me on social, listen, subscribe to my other podcasts because I'm going to let you guys know everything that goes on with my health from here on out and you're going to know what's going on with me. So if, if the steroid use since I was you know, 20, 21 starts to catch up with me, you'll know about it. And if it helps discourage some guys from starting, great. If it helps guys who are who've decided that they're going to use to be more responsible, great as well. I think it'll add value either way. At the end of the day, my, my job here is to add value to you guys in this lifestyle, not to just glorify it and, and not talk about the bad aspects of it and not talk about things that are in the prices that I've had to pay for using steroids. Right. So yeah, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna be able to see me and Steve and, and we've both winded down on our steroid use quite a bit, you know, a lot because as you get older and you just can't kind of get burned out on it after a while, because you're not, you know, this is, you know, we're, we're not looking to, we're not looking to compete and win trophies. You're just doing it because you want to feel better, because you want to internally feel like you're still in your teens. You know, you still want to have all that energy and that drive, that motivation, just that, just everything. You just want to continue to hold on to that feeling. And it's great. But at the end of the day, if you can delay it and be real responsible with it, the better. You know, the better. And then, and then as you get older, then you can really use it when you really need it, when it'll completely change and enhance your lifestyle. Right? So something to think about. All right. So this leads into the next topic, RPCTs becoming flawed. This is a good one. So, you know, we can go back and look at back in the old days. Um, when I first started going on forums, guys would recommend taking a bunch of Clomid, a bunch of Novadex, just throwing a bunch of drugs at their body. And then you have other guys that would come in and um, like your, your buddy, uh, Nelson Montana, Rick, uh, he, he used to be, come in and say, oh, don't run CIRMS. CIRMS don't, uh, they do more harm than good. Run natural, run natural. So, you know, you'd have different opinions and people started experimenting with different PCTs. And at the end of the day, a lot of guys pushing, you know, one way or this way or that way 
now you ask them, you know, what did they do for PCT? And they say, oh, I'm on TRT for the rest of my life. So obviously- And, to, and on Nelson's defense, I just want to say this, on Nelson's defense, because Nelson is about 67 now, I think. So old guy. The, the times changed on him. Times really changed on him. He's from the old school of bodybuilding where guys used to take like 200, 300 megs a week of Primo. And that was like a, a cycle. And then when the forums started to change and then when the European sources started to influence the buyers and, and create these huge fucking two, three gram cycles for, for guys that are just going to sit at home and, <laughs> and work at the office and doing two gram, three grams a week of juice, right? It kind of, time, time shifted on him. So yeah, once you get over the, these gram something doses, got to use serums. I mean, it's a different, different story. But if you do like a, a little couple hundred week cycle of Primo, couple, look, the idea that I push today that I say you need to stay under a gram, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, uh, I read this in Nelson's first book, which was out in, I don't know, 2001, 2002. I think it was 03 when I read, when I read Nelson's first book. And he said, you should stay under a gram. And uh, if you can't make gains in under a gram, then you, you can't make gains. You got other problems. I keep saying that. I read that in Nelson's first book. And then I went out and I had already before that done grams of juice and I went out, still did grams of juice a week. And then after all of that, now I repeat the same thing that I got from Nelson back then. And I tell guys, if you, if you, if you, if you can't stay under a gram of steroids a week and make some good progress, maybe slower progress, you got some core lifestyle issues. Either that or you're just fucking huge. You're just fucking humongous. And you, your baseline is a gram a week just to maintain the gains you got. And now you need some, some peptides and you need some extra, some insulin just to get even bigger than that because you're just that big guy. But if you're just, dude, if you just want to look good for the office, jersey short, if, you do, if you're doing over a gram, then you're doing everything else wrong. If you need to do over a gram of steroids a week, then everything else you're doing is, is fucked up and is wrong. So, um... So yeah, times changed on Nelson and, and for his old school ways, lower dosing and look back, you know, back in the Arnold days, right? Eighties, seventies, Ron Nelson, cause Nelson competed too. He's a competitor. Um, and he was a writer for testosterone magazine for his times. Uh, yeah. It's herbals is where, where it's at. Live 52 for your liver. Essential Forte. <laughs> for your liver, you know, some of this old school stuff worked and he, and he carried that on, but things changed on him. And then he was trying to tell guys on the forums that were maybe doing not just a couple grams of steroids, but also peptides and some were fucking with insulin and DMP and all these things. And um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of what, what, what happened just to, to defend Nelson there a little bit. You know, we should have Nelson on the podcast now that we discussed Mr. Nelson Montana. We should probably have him on the podcast for an episode or two. He's, he's a real interesting guy, very knowledgeable, and he's still in incredible shape uh, for a guy his age. He just lives it. He's just in incredible shape, and he's, you know, he's still very deep into the fitness industry. We should probably get him on uh, for, for a podcast or two. Yeah, I was just giving an example of, of that, but like my point basically is, is PCT flawed, and I see a lot of PCTs out there that are way, way too aggressive. Um, just people are under the wrong impression, Rick, that you can just throw a bunch of drugs at the problem. 
um, you see these PCTs are just absurd, like 300 milligrams of Clomid, 100 milligrams of Novadex, tons of drugs. Some, some guys are misguided, but I think PCTs are the best they've been now ever. Steve, you, you, you say this a lot. I don't think we've ever had access to blood testing as quickly, as efficiently, and as on demand, and as cheaply as we, can, as we do now. So something that was never mentioned in PCT 20 years ago, 30 years ago, which is, what about your, what about your blood tests? Now it's a common practice. You know, yeah, I mean, some guys do get crazy with the dosing, say 100 megs of Clomid. And I think that happens because a lot of guys get screwed by their sources and they get this research uh, chemicals that don't have all the Clomid in there. Or maybe the, 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 the source themselves got screwed and, and they don't know what, the, what, what they should be looking for. And, and then they, they screw their customers down the line. And so now guys think they need 100 Makes a clomid, and that's what they'll keep telling everybody, because the the guy they're getting the clomid from is is impure. I mean, a lot of this stuff happens, right? Because even the, the clomid dosage has shot up, you know, between guys ever since research stuff came around. So that's that's real interesting when it comes to that. I think I think also another mistake guys make is is adding SARMs to to their post cycle therapy. There's some that you can add, and it won't make and it won't suppress you any further. And it's actually a decent idea because it'll help you retain some of your gains. But there are others that can be suppressive. And if you add them to PCT, it's kind of like if you were doing a small dose of steroids anyway, because you're being suppressed anyway. It's throwing your, your hormones off, off whack anyway. So you kind of kind of have to know what you're doing there. If you're going to add SARMs to your PCT, you got to get the right info and make sure you, you, you execute that properly. Because if you do it right, It'll help you retain more, more of your gains. If you do it wrong, you're just not really recovering. You're just suppressing yourself even further. And, and that thing, that's something I've seen a lot of guys that are really kind of hit and miss is, is throwing those arms and the dosing and the length of time in, into the cycles at, at the very end with their post-cycle therapy. And, and that, that dance has to, be, has to be done just right. Otherwise, it, it can be counterproductive. All right, guys. So, yeah, it's a fun one. We can talk about that again. Next one, guys, is working out with a group, buddy, or solo is it best? You know, I think, I think, from, I think with weight training, I'm a big believer in, in weight training by yourself. And if you need a spotter here and there, he can call your buddy over from the other side of the gym. Hey, you know, can you give me a spot? But, I mean, with weight training, you're not really benefiting by working out in a group. It's not like endurance running. With endurance running – Working, uh, running with a group is very, very good because everybody paces, they have their pace. So you can pace with people. There's someone who's a little faster than you who you can kind of keep an eye on and make sure you don't get too far behind them. There's people who are a little slower than you who you can stay ahead of. And if, if you start going back and back and back and they start getting in front of you, you know, yeah, I'm slowing down. I need to speed up my pace. So with running, it's really good to work out with a group. And in fact, very, very essential to run with a group um, as much as you can. So you have that. That's why they have running clubs and really any place you can find a running club and uh, you can find people to run with, especially in the big cities. <clears throat> um, but with weight training, I don't see the point of working out in a group. Um, it's, it's not something that I partake in personally. I can't, I just can't imagine how it can be beneficial to, to do that. Um, I see these groups, usually it's younger guys in the gym 
and they're kind of just they're dicking around you know not really serious they're just there you know you never see them in the gym they'll show up maybe once every couple weeks or something maybe they got a guest pass or something but they're not really serious so for me you know just working out by myself weight training by myself that's the way to do it and if i want to run do some something like uh something like that then yeah i'll I'll go with with a group what do you think right yeah i mean I, i i agree i think any activity that you can just do by yourself fitness activity you can do by yourself efficiently and then also becomes fun with a group is, is something you should incorporate and engage in. We're talking about weight training specifically. You can go weight train by yourself. And it's also fun once in a while to weight train with a buddy or two or three, you know, bullshit a little bit. It takes longer to get the workout in. You got to put in a little extra effort to stay warm in between your turn on the, on the set, maybe superset. I've done that before where I lead the workout for friends and, we just I make sure we, we supersetting so so we can stay around the same area, bullshit, talk about whatever, and then get the workout in. And it's great to do by yourself. Same thing, look, mountain biking. Bike, you can go up on the bike by yourself. Or you can go with, the, with, with a buddy. It's always fun. Same thing I tell people. Go get a membership. Go MMA gym, jiu-jitsu gym. The nicest people you've ever met are at these places. And you can go in and you can hit the bag by yourself. And you can also move around a little bit with someone, you know, a little light contact or maybe full out sparring. You could shadow box at home too, right? So any, any activities the, in fitness activities that you can get into that you can do effectively by yourself, enjoy by yourself, and then uh, incorporate other people, make it more fun, uh, you're on the right track because then you have no excuses because you can incorporate your training at home. And then you're more encouraged to become social and meet other people and share information and share techniques and just have a change of pace. So what is better? A mix of the two. You got to be able to do it either way. You have to be able to train on your own so you don't have excuses. If your buddy doesn't show up or whatever, that you can't get your full training in. And you also want to make it fun for yourself and be social with with other folks and and share some of these fitness activities with them. So yeah, that's what I think. All right, guys. I I really do think a gym environment is really, really important with weight training, by the way, really, really important because of that peer pressure and stuff. I just prefer to work out by myself, but I like the environment of a gym with other people working out. So that's just, that's just me. Um, I think most people would agree with that. Uh, but just find out what, you know, what works best for yourself, you know? You know, and I, yeah, it, it always, it depends, you know, whatever motivates you. I live inside of my head a lot. And when I push myself to extreme pain is where I feel like I'm putting the work in. And I've done this by myself in a, you know, in a, in a basement, shadow boxing, training, drilling, jumping, jumping rope, whatever, you know, and, and felt great. And I've done this, you know, in a gym where the people there are performing in front of people, whatever it is, you, you have to just, you have to enjoy that, that process of, of bringing yourself to that point of pain, control pain, which is what most people shy away from. That's why they'll, they'll, they'll never be fit. They're going to be fat and out of shape the whole life. You have to enjoy that pain. 
that burning sensation has to be just a tiny bit of a masochist. Enjoy the, 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 end, the endorphins releasing after you brought yourself to pain. All those feel-good hormones that your body naturally makes when you're in pain, but you're doing it for, for a good reason. And as long as you can really enjoy that and kind of become addicted to that feeling, man, you'll train anywhere whether you're by yourself in a room with no equipment or anything, you climb your feet up on that wall and bust out some push-ups, <laughs> or whether you're in a gym and you know you got to you got to wait in line for the bench, whatever it is, you'll, you'll put out. But you have to enjoy that pain and and the reward of, of those feel-good hormones your body gives you after you've done the workout, after you've done. I mean, look, right, I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> you're you listen to this podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, guys, so our last topic, relationship topic. This is a guy, he sent in a question. He said that he, he came home from work and he walked in on his wife and she was in bed with his best friend. So this is really one that really, really hurts. Um, that's a huge betrayal. So he wants to know what he should do. So, um, you know, this is really, really a bad situation. I can't imagine what this guy must be going through. Not only is his wife cheating on him but it's with his best friend and that hurt hurts way more than if he had walked in and it was some random guy you know that she had maybe met online or something so gosh i mean it really really sucks i mean what i would do look at the end of the day you know you have to get a divorce you have to just move on and then, and it know? sucks because normally he would go to his buddy and tell him what happened and, and have a, a shoulder cry on but it was his buddy that was that was screwing her that's just fucked up yeah, it is. So what I would do, look, I would, I'd move out like on the dot, get my stuff together, move out. You, you just can't be together anymore. If she wants your best friend, look, she can have them because she's going to end up doing the same thing to him eventually anyway. So it really doesn't matter, but you, that's it. Relationships over friendship over. Um, I don't really understand that, you know, how some of these guys who are in that situation can like actually forgive their friend. It's like bros over hoes that, that quote. No, I mean, I don't think so. Like friends, it's not that hard to make new friends. He should have just know? joined them, right? They would have both banged her. I mean, you know, he could have just joined her. Well, I mean, you would have you would have <laughs> liked to join in, bro. You're into you know the buy buy lifestyle, so you would have enjoyed it uh, joining in. You know, you, you uh, say shit like that, people might actually believe you, and then I'm gonna start getting some weird fucked up messages on social. So just cut it out. <laughs> Stop right there, bro. So what would you do in this situation? Like, would you would you try to repair the marriage and and try to repair the friendship, or would you just be like fuck fuck both of you? I'm out. Yeah, see, it goes back to, to what I've been saying on the podcast when it, relationship questions come up. I would have seen the signs coming from a mile away. Like, you can't be in denial about her. You can't, you can't. You can't lie to yourself. And that happens a lot. It happens a lot because life is hard, making money, dealing with health, dealing with, with social structure. Everything is tough. So you don't want to sit there and spend extra time now doubting your relationship and doubting your significant other, even though they're giving you clear signs that things are fucked up. So it's really obvious what you do once you walk in on them, right? 
get the fuck out of there. You don't, you know, you can't be with her. She's a cheater. And obviously he wasn't your friend to begin with. They both did you a favor. Hopefully there are no children involved because that makes things a lot tougher. But if there are no children involved, they both, they both did you a great favor. So, so you'd be done with that. But that, that's too obvious. What do you do before? Bro, she should have been, she should have gave you some signs of things to come. She would have shot those flares up in the air. You would have known this was coming. You should have known this was coming. You should have seen the interaction between the two of them and seen it coming. Like you should have seen all of this. You don't have, listen, you don't have to be, go around being suspicious and asking questions and, and being crazy, but you also don't need to go around ignoring very simple signs. You should have seen it. If your buddy, look, here's a good sign. Here's a good measure to know if your buddy's trying to fuck your girl. Okay, he's a good one. If you know your buddy's a fucking dog and he'll, if he sees a, a girl that's maybe not as attractive and he's hollering and hooting, but then when he gets around your girl, he acts different. You know he's working on something. Your buddy should be willing to just be, just look like the worst guy. It doesn't matter. Throwing your chick, whatever. You know, he might claim that, that he doesn't want her to think he's a bad influence. Nah, bro. If, he, if you catch your friend trying to impress your girl and these subtle things, you know, something's weird. Something's odd. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's just signs. There's something. It doesn't mean that they're fucking, but it just means that there's maybe a, a weird interaction. Now you don't need to get crazy about it, right? Because let's say, let's say you're this girl's marriage material and you're on on a marriage road with her and he's your best friend and he, he's been around from the start of the relationship. He's probably going to be around even when you have kids with her and nothing's happened between them. No kisses, no hugs, no nothing, but they have a little bit of, of a weird interaction. You know, he might be a cool cat. I mean, he hangs out with you, right? And you're the shit, right? So he's probably cool cat just like you. So it's kind of normal for them to just have a little bit of weird weird tension and then it clicks in, you know, and then she just gets used to him being your buddy. And then, you know, it just, it, it normalizes and then you don't have to worry about shit. But maybe at the start, you might go through that little bit of weird phase and you just have to be real smart about it and, and know not to let it get out of hand. And if she's worth it and he's really your friend, it'll never get out of hand. That, that weird kind of, kind of attraction and tension that's going to build up because they're around each other because of you, It'll, it'll start to normalize and then it'll be a thing. You just got to be real smart during that whole transition and not fuck it up. But if he's a scumbag and he's not really your friend to begin with, and if she's a hoe and she would have done it to you later on anyway, then they're going to be fucking. All right? They're going to be fucking. And, and that's that. And if, they don't, and if you just kind of try to, try to brute force physically stand in the way and not let them fuck now, they're going to fuck later, even after you have kids and stuff. So you just, you can't be in denial. You got you to gotta be a real man about this. Not lie to yourself. Also not, not blow it out of proportion and, and think things are really that bad. You just got to like really understand it and look at it. And, and so before you catch your significant other in bed with somebody in your own fucking crib, like, fuck. You just, you should see all of these things coming. You should see all these things coming along not be in denial, not obsess about them either, but not be in denial, not ruin your relationship asking a bunch of fucking questions there all the time about it. 
but not ignore them. It's, it's, it's a fine dance to play. It's very hard to get right. That's why a lot of guys um, don't get it right. So what should she? What should he do right away? Like oh, they're done. They're done. I said that at the start. I'm trying. You know, some of these questions, like like, like like when we had the when we had the question with the guy got served by his wife divorce papers. Can't help that guy. He's fucking done. What can you do before that happens? So here, what can you do before you catch him? Him, he's done. I mean, they're done, bro. They're done. But what should he do right away? He should he. Should he just like tell he her? He should try not to fucking kill him, which it seems like he didn't, right? So he already did the right thing. He didn't ruin his life by fucking killing him. Even though with a good lawyer, if you do it right on the spot, he might, he might, you know, he might actually be fine with a, with a good, with a, with a good, good lawyer. And if he does it right on the spot, like you can't walk out of the room and come back and think about it. Like, but they're going to know that it was him that did it. I mean, if he, oh, but it's like a crime of passion. Like if you just yeah. walk in on her and, and they're in bed together and you, and you jump in and kill him, like you do nothing. You might, you might, you might. You might get a crime of passion uh, acquittal. But, like, if you, like, walk out and then you come back an hour later or if you they come back two days later, I mean, then you you got a problem. Do you think it should like, be? If you, like, if you, like, if you, like, a, a trained guy and you catch him in bed and jump in and put him in a, in a headlock or, or, you know, crack his neck in half, you, you might, you might actually get acquitted. You, you might. Do you think it should be legal to, <laughs> to kill someone who's banging your spouse? I, you know, no, there, 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 there are actually provisions in the law that if you're kind of blinded by rape, I'm not just making this shit up. I'm, I, I, please Google this. I think there are, it, I think it has happened. When somebody walks in on their significant other, they're, they're filled with rage. They don't know what they're doing. They literally don't know what the fuck they're doing and they end up killing them. And then they, they come to it, they calm the fuck down, and then they, they realize, holy shit, I fucked up, and they get acquitted. It's, it's happened. It's happened because, I mean, it's very impactful. It's not that you're going to walk into court and say, look, she deserved to die because she cheated on me. No, you're married. This is your wife. This is your woman. And you just caught another man penetrating her in your home. Like that, that can throw some people over the, a, the edge and bring him into, into temporary insanity, into a rage. This is legit. When you love, you hurt. Very legitimate. So it's not, you know, some women or men out there listening that are cheating. Your girl might walk in on you. And if she's got a concealed carry license, she might be able to just blast both of you on the spot and then call the cops and says, I don't know what the fuck just happened. My, my hubby and, and some girl are both dead naked and bad and they're, they're two bullets spent on my gun, but I don't remember anything. Please help. So, <laughs> so you be careful out there. No, they're, 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 this is a thing, Steve. It's not like, um, this is a thing, dude. It's not, yeah. it's not something I just made up. It seems to me that, you know, um, these types of situations, the, the person who's, you know, who, who gets caught. You have to be a fucking psychopath to not give you some clear signs that things are not good in the relationship. Well, women are good at that. No, dude. No, no. You don't understand. You don't understand. Okay. A fucking psychopath. And here's why. If she was sane within her 
if she was fucking saying that she wouldn't be making commitments to you in a committed relationship and, and going through the motions while she wants to go fuck other people, she, you just, she'd be realistic about what she's trying to do. And if she does have good intentions with you, but the relationship is just not great and, and your buddy's kind of taking advantage of, of weak moments and things like that, then you should get some clear signs. Now, if she has no real intention of being faithful to you, if she is playing all this thing and, and giving you one phase and then trying to actively fuck your buddy on the other hand and, and, and making a pact with you of exclusivity and feelings and all this while she's telling your buddy, meet me around the back, this is all psychopathic behavior. This is not normal behavior. You're, 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 you're sleeping with the enemy. You're in, you're in the spider webs. You know, you're in the fucking spider web, dude. It's not normal behavior. Like she can be sane and, and be weak to your buddy for whatever reason and be kind of on defense about what, what she, she, she's going to do. And you'll get, you'll, you'll get signs, clear signs. She, she'll let you know something's wrong. She might even tell you how to fix it. You're just not listening. So if, if she's giving you no clear signs at all, trying to make you think everything's all right, fucking your butt, psychopath. Psychopathic behavior. Yeah, it sucks. It really does, man. So, but it kind of sucks because you have a house. You share the house with this person, share the bed for, with that person. It's Hopefully just... they have no children together because children complicate everything. Because then you, even after you leave her, you still got to keep running into her. But if there's no children involved, oh, dude. What? Oh, the time it took him to write the question in, he could have spent packing and getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, well, getting a divorce with kids is like is one of the worst experiences you can have. It's like it's like a death with no body, you know. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully he's not. <laughs> it's it's rough, dude. It's rough. Hopefully, he's got no children with her. Hopefully, uh, he again. You you get this lady pregnant, and you're in denial of just what a, what a psychopath she is psychopathic reality huh psychological <laughs> like okay like if she if there's a revenge fuck like she caught you cheating before and, and it was a revenge fuck if there, some of this stuff you can claim to make some sense out of it right but if she's sitting there trying to you know playing it up like everything's great you know there are no issues you haven't been cheating she acts normal around your buddy all this thing and then she's fucking him Bro, you've got, I mean, dude. You ever watch that show, Cheaters? Yeah, I've seen it a few times. They, where they get yeah, caught, this reminds out me of the street. No, but they have, they have they, the, the guy. Um, they follow him around, and then they confront yeah, them on the street. But they, while, put while they're hidden they put hidden cameras in the house. There was one where the, literally the husband, you know, the best friend was rooming with them. And, like, the husband calls her on the phone. And as he's on the phone with her, she's, like, giving the – the friend, the hand job on the couch and they like getting hot and heavy together. And then he walks in and then they, they sit there like nothing happened. They're just sitting, both sitting on the couch. Like, like I just, I don't know. It's just so like fucked up, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. So, so when, uh, so when someone's cheating, right. The, the interaction between the, the cheaters, right. With the third party that doesn't know what's going on can either be like the, the other person, right, is kind of like either one, f 
feeling weird about it and maybe kind of jealous of, of the official boyfriend or the other one is it's part of their of their foreplay and they like the fact that they're sneaking around on this guy and he's an idiot and he's a fool and he doesn't know and he's an, and we're we're both getting one over on him and, and that's when you get her or him on the phone with the other person staying real quiet in the background playing with their dick or whatever it is and and you get it and it gets very nasty it's kind of the interaction between them is like every time they're together they're Part of it, part of the enjoyment it is that they're fucking you over. They're hurting you in the process. So it can get nasty like that as well, for sure. For sure, for sure, it, it can get nasty like that. Uh, um, the, the, the dynamic between the, the cheaters can, can get that sick to where it's part of their foreplay, part of their thing that they're, they're getting over on you. Like they're, they're doing this behind your back and, and you don't know any better. You know, and, and you've suspected, oh my God, he suspects it. He was asking me and he, he smelled my, col- he smelled your cologne on me, but I denied it. And then, you know, you know, this whole thing and it becomes a thing. It becomes something that spices up their, their twisted interaction. It's fucked up, but it happens. All right, guys. So another great podcast, guys, five great topics. We'll have another Q&A coming right up next week. And we'll have another compound episode coming right up as well. For Steve Smee and Rick, another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Have a good one. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.